This is the Fourth Part Podcast, a podcast made by Freemasons to be enjoyed by all. The opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own and do not reflect any Grand Lodge stance or opinion. And now here are your hosts, the grumpiest past master and the OG Danielson. First, before you join Masonry, Masonic piece of memory, memorabilia. Before I started? Yeah, because, I mean, we all had something. I was like, wow, this is... Oh, jeez. We've got some heavy stuff up here. Yeah. I'm trying to see... What do I have that's pre-Masonry? Well, do it like the, the weather people do it. Look at... Well, yeah. I, I actually... Because we just... I just set this up like a day ago, so... You know, I finally got it set up. So um, the oldest thing that's in here, actually, not oldest like on the planet Earth, but mm-hmm. my possession is actually that that black and white Mickey Mouse up there. Okay. Um, I always, I got that, I, oh my God, I want to say I was probably like 10 down in Walt Disney World. Club, and, Club 33. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always thought I always thought it was interesting after I became a Mason to find that Walt Disney was a Mason and Demolay, oh Demolay and and Demolay, yeah, and he um he had Club Twenty Three, uh, Club Thirty Three, and there was a lot of Masai- what was the thing you sent me? Oh, it's on the I I believe it's by the Log Flume in Orlando. You have a box that says Hiram's Working Tools. Yeah, man, that's so cool. It <laughs> is cool. I, I really want to jump, but I saw an alligator. It was a baby one. It was in the water, but <laughs> if it wasn't there, I would have opened that box. <laughs> we uh, Masons have a tendency of sneaking in like little things here and there and hiding it, things even in plain sight. It's kind of funny that he would even put that there. And I'm surprised, to be totally honest with you, that it's lasted, really? that somebody hasn't pulled it out of there. Yeah. You know, that. Not saying that there's a culture of Freemasonry still in Disney. There's probably not much. I mean, there are probably brothers that work for Disney, obviously. It's subtle. But it's something that would be old enough for Walt Disney himself to say, hey, probably put this here. Or somebody who was an Imagineer that was a brother, you know, snuck in a little Easter egg and that it's still there. That's big, too, with like the Pixar movies. I forget what number sequence, but it's the number of the classroom that a lot of these videographers and, and producers attend the class. And uh, they put that number in like the, a lot of the Pixar movies, Toy Story, a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. The other thing, actually one of the newer things that I've gotten, again, not newest as in age, but newest as in possessions is... This uh, this statue right here, this is um, it's probably hard to see. It's a classic. Yeah. So that is the brother to brother monument that's located in Gettysburg. And during the Battle of Gettysburg in the Civil War, a um, a Confederate general was shot during Pickett's charge and there was a 
a brother Mason who recognized certain things when this brother was shot. He was a general. His name was General Armistead. And the Union officer noticed something that he was doing and came to his aid. And it actually was depicted in the movie Gettysburg, too. Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah, it was that scene. And there's a famous painting of that mm-hmm. was depicted in that movie. And he read them aid and... General Hancock on the Union side, who was also a brother, who was actually friends with Armistead before the war, um, took him into their custody and tended for him. He ended up passing away and dying, but General Armistead actually took his possessions and made sure they got back to his wife, wrote his wife a letter. But the, this statue, actually, it's solid pewter. It weighs yeah. a ton. Because um, that's an actual statue. Yeah, in it's, it's right? uh, Gettysburg. in Gettysburg, in the Gettysburg National uh, Cemetery. It's actually a statue there, a Masonic monument in the middle of the cemetery. And it's beautiful. It's gigantic. And it's a big, big square compasses. It says, uh, brother to brother, a nation undivided. It's crazy. Isn't there, uh, what, the, the Alamo? It's been rumored that a certain somebody survived because he was a brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, well, they, they <laughs> kind of a conspiracy theory that uh, Davy Crockett, mm-hmm. Davy Crockett might have survived the Alamo because um, Santa Anna was a Mason, right? And there was several Masons actually in the Alamo. There was a few. I don't remember the exact number. I have to remember, uh, you know, read up on it again. But I, I want to say there was probably like ten or so Masons in in the Alamo when during the attack. But Santa Anna was a a Mason, and there's a conspiracy that Davy Crockett survived the Alamo, <laughs> which would be pretty crazy if you think about it. And in those days, you, you got to think about it. You had you know the fur trade and a lot of other uh, other things going on where brothers really did travel. Oh yeah, so, they were they were actually traveling. Imagine during the Civil War. I mean, besides having a cousin on the other side, you have brothers on the other side that you oh, I was just with them at Lodge last week and now we're <laughs> shooting at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean the Civil War, there's I mean, this is just one it's just one story in the Civil War that became famous, but I'm sure in every war there has been countless Time is that something similar like that has happened and you know it just went without history ever knowing but that shows how, how the roots of the fraternity have spread so far and those masonic core values you hold true because you, you know to render aid to a brother and and it's you know his deepest need that that's big you yeah. know that's real big yeah there was something where uh in the Caribbean, you know, that's real big masonry. Yeah, I work with a guy who's Haitian. Uh-huh. Is he a mechanic? No, no. Yeah, because they have um, the mechanics out there as a lodge. Oh, okay. Yeah, not like that. Not like he's going to work on your Honda. No, but he he's from Haiti. <laughs> Louis? Hey, Louis. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> uh, he's Haitian. He, said, he actually said that he's mm-hmm. like, Freemasonry is huge that's here. huge, yeah. Yeah. They have actually, you know, next time you get a chance to research it, they have mechanics lodges. And um, I don't know too much about them, but 
I've, you know, had a couple conversations with uh with brothers from Barbados and, you know, a lot of their inner workings is very similar. Yeah. So but this going back to the statue just mm-hmm. real quick. So a brother from our lodge gave it to us. That actually he he bought that and that was a fundraiser to build wow. that monument. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like three hundred and fifty dollars in the nineties. So it was it was pricey. That's my newest possession as far as Masonic. So that was one of the things they sold as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. They sold those. They had ceramic ones. They had, which were a little cheaper. Those were like $350 of solid pewter ones. And then they had ones that were uh, gold-plated pewter. Have Ooh. you ever seen one of those for sale? Uh, no. I mean, I've never no. seen one of those. And I've, I've seen the monument on TV and stuff. But I didn't. When I saw that the other day when I came over, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I thought you had that made. No, that, that that's to me that that's that was the, one of the nicest gifts gifts I've ever gotten. I wonder like if they had something like that during the uh, the building of the um, the obelisk in Washington, because a lot of uh, that, that it was also funded by you know a lot of very wealthy people to begin with. Yeah. So maybe they had to, maybe they didn't. But you know, I think these these are all numbered. I think they're limited numbered. Like I don't. I'd have to, yeah, they they have like a limited number of them too. Did you ever hear about that story with the uh, the obelisk and how, um, you know, because a lot of Masonic um, lodges donated stones, and uh, there was a big anti Masonic push. I think it was the thirties. Oh, the anti Masonic right, like, and they stopped the building of it, and you know, once they decided to proceed, years later, um, that's why you have the discoloration about a two thirds or a third of the way up. Oh yeah. yeah oh you're talking they, about you're talking about the George the, right. the, the the George Washington monument. The memorial, the, the, the obelisk. The the Washington monument mm-hmm. down in DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. The reflecting pool yep. right in front. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the obelisk in uh Manhattan. No, no, no. The one in Washington. Oh, okay. And there was a big there was actually the executive board was infiltrated by anti Masonic members. Yeah, you know, I forget uh I watched a um, a documentary on it that a um, I think Brian Kilmeade did the the anchor the news anchor Brian oh, Kilmeade yeah, yeah. he did like a documentary on on that and they like go inside of it and they yeah. show like all the states donated right. stones, Grand Lodges Grand Lodges World, world Grand Lodges. yeah like World Grand Lodges yeah. countries like there was like one from France like the whole country yeah. of France you know like and uh, that quarry had like stopped. Right, down. they they couldn't go back to the same quarry, so right. it's it's two separate colors. Yeah. I always thought it was just it weathered weird or something, yeah, no. you know. Or that was um, imagine having an anti Masonic party. That's wild. Yeah, that's wild. The oldest thing I have in here is that Masonic, the new Masonic trestle board. See that book right oh, there? Oh yeah, yeah, right up there. That's from 1856. That was pretty cool. I can't believe Is this Mackey's right here? These two lower ones? Yes, those are Mackey's Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. Those are from the 1918. It's it's amazing how many uh, of those, like, you know, Masonic regalia you see that was produced or made in New York. And those buildings aren't there or that that company's not there. A lot of the printers, too. A lot of, like, the printing companies were... 
based in New York. So what what was the most recent? I, I'm kind of curious. Mm-hmm. Do you do? Do you read Masonic books? Like, I, yeah, I do. Are you a big reader? I'm a big reader, but I'm a little bit unorthodox when I read. Um, I don't I don't read books in order unless it's a you know a story, but um the the type of literature that I usually indulge in is um, informational. What type of like informational like? Um, like you don't read fiction is what you mean. No, no. It's mostly uh I like a lot of biographies. I like to see a growth in an individual. Um I like a lot of philosophy, um, as far as Masonic books. Uh a lot of Manly P. Hall. Um but not a, as of late. It's been a while. You love Manly P. Hall. I do you know, I like that <laughs> you know, I like his uh the Roscrucian's, you know, background he has. Um I like a, a lot of that. I don't. I don't know if it's belief or philosophy or whatever, but that like universal knowledge, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, it's crazy. You got guys like Alexander Graham Bell, and another guy on the other side of the world created the same invention, but you know, one guy got credit for it. Yeah, uh, you're talking about the telephone. Right. Yeah. So uh, our past master, mm-hmm. uh, brother Chano. Uh, there's a brother. That the guy who created the first radio, mm-hmm. he was an Italian. Oh, Marconi. Marconi. Yeah. Apparently did that in, right, Babylon, in Babylon Village. Right. So I have to, I'm going to like comb through. You know where it is? It's it's on Fire Island Avenue, right? Or something right. like that. So remember when we went to our friend, shout out to Franz, uh, in Babylon? Mm-hmm. So when you come in and you make that right to go down that long road, it's right on the corner. There's a blue sign. And uh, that's where the first telegram was sent overseas, actually, was in that location. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I He asked me, he's like, do you think he was a brother in our lodge? And I said, I never, I never, I haven't seen anything that he actually became a brother of our lodge. I actually just, because I had them stored in the library, I have the original register of our lodge. I just picked it up today. Um, that, I looked through the nuts. old register because that's where every brother's name is listed that's ever become a brother. Right. But then I'm also going to grab the old minutes books and I'm going to thumb through them and see if he was a visitor ever. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, Italy was, it's either you're on one side uh, about Masonry or the other side. Yeah. It's very weird over there. I was actually trying to, cause I was trying to find what lodge he was a part of, but yeah. it's a weird structure over there. Even, even till now, because, well, I don't know. I, this was, within at least the last 20 years where they had actually had to send the minutes of each meeting to the government. This is recently? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to look it up now, but I know for a while, Stalin, like, pushed about. Well, yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of fascistic governments were are terrified and, and tyrannical, I should say. Right. Governments. It doesn't have to be just fascist. Anything free-thinking. Yeah, any free-thinking... Um, type of government has always been weary of masonry and what goes on in our lodges because why it's a safe place for people to you know speak their feelings and you should be and you you know masons can trust that you know if you say something in confidence to each other that it'll be kept that way yeah i mean and that's kind of like a lot of the conspiracy theorists that i see 
you know, like on social media and everything, they, that's kind of like what they kind of tie to. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's so secret. Oh, like, what are you hiding? It's like, well, I mean, if you have friends, like you have friends that you, you know, they might confide in you in something and you don't, you don't go spilling that to the world either. It's, it's similar to that, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, any, any system that endorses individual freedom of thought has always been looked down upon and is the enemy of, of, you know, a system that breeds dependence. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Cause they want you, they want you needing something as opposed to being a, your own, like, you know, a fountain of whatever nourishment. Yeah. The, um, I guess the question I have to you is what's the craziest, if we brought it up, what, what's the craziest conspiracy theory that you've heard lately? Is it one that sticks out in your mind? I mean, they're all nuts, you know, and not to mention 90% of the documentaries on Masonry are written about, you know, written by people who aren't Masons. Yeah. It's outsiders looking in. Or somebody who maybe was only an entered apprentice or, yeah. you know, I, I love hearing the, what, le- I, we get this a lot on social media. It's like, well, what level are you Mason? Like, mm-hmm. and people fail to realize that there is no levels of Masonry. There's, right. there's, there's degrees, which are sets of lessons. Mm-hmm. Once you become an entered apprentice, we call you a brother. The only thing that changes really is what you learn from there on out. Right. And the entered apprentices are just in the beginning of their journey. And then once you become a third degree a Master Mason, everyone thinks, oh, if you're a 33rd degree, you know, that's it. Now you're ruling the world. And the Scottish Rite is... I only recently joined the Scottish Rite, and I haven't finished it yet. But the Scottish Rite is expounding upon those three degrees, going into depth, yeah. into certain aspects of it. And it's not, it's not teaching you anything different per se. It's just a deeper dive in to each degree and each piece of it. You know, you can take one little section of one degree... And that can end up, you know, in, say, the entered apprentice degree, the first degree. And they'll take one little snippet of it, and they turn that into an entire degree in the Scottish Rite. Yeah, no. Really absolutely. explaining it, it really into, going back to the history of it. It gets down, you know, down into the nitty-gritty. Now, is it that obvious to the members? I mean, it's to some members, it could be. It could be obvious. Because we were talking about this um, last episode where a lot of, the, you know, depending on um, depending on um, the era you were brought into masonry, mm-hmm. you have like cliques where guys join just, you know, to be part of a fraternity and they were the best brother you could have at that point in time or even still now because we have so many brothers that have been together 50, 60 years, you know, good friends. And then you have, I think, in our generation, the esotericness kind of was more appealing to, to us. I, I know for me it was. 
Yeah, well, people join masonry for different reasons. So that, right? the, the and, brothers... and that might change over time. Right. You know, they might start off saying, I, I want to join masonry because, you know, I want, I just want to hang out with the guys. Like, I just want to, you know, the fellowship of it. You know, I want to have a nice dinner, a couple beers with the guys, you know, maybe, maybe talk about philosophy and have that camaraderie. And, you know, it's more of the fraternal aspect for them. And then there's guys that are just about intellectual stuff, you know, esoteric stuff, deep thinking, deep philosophy stuff. And then there's guys that are just about, you know, I all I want to do is charity work, you know. And but that might evolve, like as they get older, they right. might say that might shift back and forth. It might become a combination of a few things, you know. So I think lodges nowadays need to try to cater to all of them. You know, you can't just have just a social club with nothing else. You can't have just a charity organization with nothing else. You know, I mean, you could f- focus if that's like your thing in your lodge, where you're like you're just heavy on charity. But you got to have that other stuff too. Otherwise, you're going to lose brothers that can develop through their life. Because let's when people join, they've got like kind of probably one thing in their mind that they're looking for. Do you think that's where you know may, maybe Masonry's gift and curses, where there's an avenue for guys who want the esotericness? There's almost too many options sometimes. Where you got like all right, the Scottish right? I I find. There's a lot of brothers there that are appealing to that, where you have the, the spiritualism, the esotericness, all of that. And then the Blue Lodge is more, and then you have the shrine. You know, you have all these different avenues for whatever you're, but we almost spread ourselves too thin. Yeah, they. The, one thing that, that an older past master said when I became a master mason was, and it was the best fight, advice I ever got, was... Don't don't join too many things mm-hmm. right, right out of the gate. Like masonry is a lifelong journey. It's supposed to be a lifelong journey. If you uh <laughs> really Louie, you're gonna bring your bone in here and eat it. <laughs> and uh it's supposed to be a lifelong journey, and if you don't if you don't pace yourself in the beginning, you burn yourself out. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I got I to gotta evict him. Oh, Louis. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> He's going down. It's my shoelace. Um, Come here, buddy. Come here. Hey, you want to be famous? Come here. <laughs> what was the craziest? I'm going to revert that question back to you. The craziest conspiracy theory you heard? And also before you were Mason versus after you were Mason, like you know, because you hear those those two are synonymous. Um, let's get to that in a second. All right, let me get let me evict the dog real quick. (laughs) (laughs) So we're back. We had to evict Louis, my eleventh month old Boston Terrier. He was too busy chomping away (laughs) his bone. So back, back. I think I was asking you the conspiracy theory. Yeah, craziest Masonic conspiracy theory. I mean, there's a guy on. I'm not even gonna give him props for it. There's a guy on TikTok that, and it's it's nothing against like mm-hmm. people that are very like Christian, mm-hmm. but the things that he like tries to tie 
into the Bible and with masonry and Satanism. Oh, yeah. And, like, masonry and, like, you know, slaves. Listen, were there Southerners that were Masons that had slaves? Yes. Were there Masons, Northerners, that didn't have slaves? Yes. You know, it... It was a you're a product of your environment in which you grow up in and and the the time time. and what was deemed appropriate for that era. Right. For as many for as many Masons that had slaves, there's probably just as many who didn't. Oh and some. And maybe some that were indifferent and or maybe some that were abolitionists. But to say that everything, that it Mm. was a systematic thing, because this specific person who was a slave owner had slaves therefore all of masonry was you know endorsing slavery it is it was a little ridiculous to me yeah and it's crazy because once you impose masonic principles on american lifestyle and as a mason you, you would know um that's when the liberation of america started happening once, once you injected Masonic principles into American culture and lifestyle, that's when the pursuit of happiness, whatever made you happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, America is the greatest experiment the world has seen. And it's only going to get better. Yeah. Day by day, it gets better. And sometimes when you have too much information, that's a problem. So you have to also, the same way, you have to be responsible for what you say. You got to be responsible for what you take in. Abraham Lincoln wanted to become a Freemason. Right. He he had actually written that he wanted to, but right when he was going to join, I think he actually petitioned mm-hmm. a lodge, Pennsylvania Lodge, I think. Yeah, I'm not sure which one, but I think mm-hmm. I remember reading he he petitioned a lodge, mm-hmm. and then he was starting that he was going to run for president, and he withdrew his petition because he wanted to be. He didn't want to be elected because he was a Mason. He didn't want to be elected because right. he was a part of anyone. He wanted America to vote for him because of what he stood for. Right. Which is a phenomenal thing. And you know what? He he probably would have became a Mason in his latter part of his life. You know, I could see someone like that joining in the latter part of his life. Yeah. If he was that interested before, Imagine he probably the contributions he would have brought to the the fraternity. Yeah, and that kind of goes, we actually spoke about this once. It goes back to another conspiracy theory is mm-hmm. that, like, oh, the Masons rule the world. Oh, know, Mason, yeah. Masons rule the world, you know, because look at all these influential mm-hmm. people that were, you know, Masons. I was just going to ask you this. It's, it's, not that, it's not that Masons became, they were Masons before mm-hmm. they were. Right, they 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 were masons. Did masonry make them to give them the tools to achieve the greatness that they were? That their character. Did it teach them how to be, to act a certain way? That made them appealing to everybody. Well, yes. I mean, success and masonry are like synonymous together. And but is it? What... Did masonry hand them that, or did masonry? Teach them well. That's what, teach them that. That's what we were I think saying. it's the latter. To be honest, I, it's it, we didn't we didn't hand them the presidency. If we could, mm-hmm. 
if we were able to do that, why why haven't we done it since Ford? It's it's it, it's it just it is a system of morality that people live their lives by, and they achieved greatness. They didn't always join to achieve greatness. Well, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, the, yeah. for every George Washington, for every Benjamin Franklin, for every you know, every other famous Mason, the you know, the Richard Pryor, and like you could even like pop culture people that are Masons, like. Right, the fraternity didn't uh, catapult you that way in the networking stage, and and some places it did, yeah. but I think the Masonic teachings and principles, ultimately, that constant reminder that you got to be the greatest version of yourself, or to keep chiseling away at it, mm -hmm. naturally, because you're living with that intention, you're gonna achieve greatness. Yeah. And, you know, you got guys like Teddy Roosevelt, you know, he wasn't, he was how he was. Oh, yeah, he was an animal. Yeah. Uh, probably one of the most interesting people that's ever lived. Yeah. If you read about his life being, you know, kind of, I don't want to say disabled, but like a sickly kid. Yeah. And then being... A rough rider being getting shot and giving a speech what with a bullet in him you know he gave like an 80 minute speech after he was a, an assassination attempt safaris yeah. panama his his tour in panama was crazy yeah you know and had the attitude of the fuck it i'm just gonna get it done attitude you know hella high yeah. water we're just gonna do it we're gonna make it happen that make it happen mentality did 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 masonry did he only just contribute to masonry or did masonry give him the tools to be that way i mean yeah. his shaping of his life happened because of his state of his you know his health when he was younger and his family had status so to say that he became president because of masonry is absurd because he no, came from a wealthy family yeah. he came from no. an influential family you know he he achieved greatness out of his own right. And that's what masonry is about is that you need to use the tools that you were given when you were born to make the best version of yourself. And masonry is going to teach you a few extras. Well, I, I feel it gives you a shortcut because, you know, being a sickly kid, you could let that defeat you. Mm -hmm. But to be conscious that there's a better version of myself somewhere I just have to find a path to find it or to bring it out because it's in all of us. And masonry shines light in the dark corners of the room and shows you, okay, if you want to achieve excellence, follow this route that your ancient brothers have followed. Yeah. You know, make, make sure that you understand that whatever you do, just do it well. Do it with the best intention. And these are core teachings that you need to follow. And you, you will highlight that. And then as you do it, it's like, wow, it's almost addicting when you present yourself in the, the greatest light, the stuff that you 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 get, whether it's a promotion. And, and again, the promotion may not come because of the fraternity, but the Masonic teachings ultimately bring out that best version of yourself. Yeah. And again, like going back, though, for the every George Washington, Teddy Roosevelt and, you know, name upon name upon name that were that were brothers there's millions not 
not even thousands, millions of people that are Masons that make the world a better place that to, that don't have that fame. No. And that's what Masonry is proud Absolutely. of. We're we're proud we're proud of our of our famous brothers because those are the ones that we're able to, you know, hold up to the world and go look look at the caliber of person that we're able to say we're a part of the same system with. Or or, or even that it attracts. Like this right, system that, is so great, it attracts great people. Right. And and th- some of these brothers, a lot of them, very few of them started young. Yeah. Very few of them started young. Were they were they great before? You know, George Washington was on the younger side before he was very famous. Um, Thomas Jefferson, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Benjamin Franklin was on the younger side. But a lot of these brothers, including Teddy Roosevelt, he was already, his career was already rolling. When and FDR, he, FDR, was, FDR, yeah. you know, he was, you know, in his twenty, he was already well known. Mm-hmm. He didn't gather that fame. Again, comes from another very influential family. He didn't gather that fame because of masonry. He used what masonry had to teach to enhance what he already had, right? And not by guaranteed votes, not by some sort of nefarious system set up to ensure that only Masons were able to get into positions of power. And it's a double-edged sword, too, because if Masons were controlling the world, as people, some conspiracy theorists say that we are, wouldn't we, wouldn't we be all living some palatial life? Wouldn't we all be, all of our lodges wouldn't be you know, hurting and run down, you know, some lodges are more run down. And it's not run down because the brothers don't care. It's just, you know, they have to work hard to maintain their building. And a lot of brothers take pride in their lodge and take care of it. And they do the best they can. If we were running the world, wouldn't every lodge be like, you know, the Grand Lodge in New York or the the House of the Temple in D.C.? Every lodge would look like that, right? If we were running the world and everyone goes, oh, well, you know, you're not high enough. High enough level. What's what's a high enough level? There is no levels. You know, at what point do you say, where are these people? Where are these people that you think that are ruling the world? Absolutely. I mean, masonry, we have to change that. One, if masonry was trying to do anything like that, um, they'd be better at defending themselves. Well, that's the thing too. Is we we (laughs) We don't defend ourselves. We don't. We don't because you know what it is. It's we we look at it as. Should we? Do should we even? Does it even require a? We're big on letting our actions speak, right? And then, then it doesn't even require a response. It doesn't elicit a response from us. Right. It's not even worth our the time, energy. the energy, because we have too many other good things to be doing, to be worrying about some crazy. Th- and that's that's our own fault because. Not that we need to go on the offensive, but I think there's plenty in masonry that we could say, show the world that we do other than Shriners Hospital. You don't even want to waste your time because that's not the type of people that the, the, the craft should um, attract. 
And like haters, if you if you don't have any haters, you're not doing anything right. Right. If you have no enemies, <laughs> then you're not doing it. I th- who said that? That was a uh, that's actually a famous quote. And oh man, I'm gonna have to look that up because that's gonna bother me. But yeah, I mean, we gotta change that narrative to masonry enhances the world. We're not trying to rule the world. We're trying to enhance the human experience. And whether you're, it's through membership and breeding a higher caliber of man, either way it enhances it if, if you're not a member because you're going to have that type of influence. I mean, if you have a research masonry in the Midwest and, and you know, further out West, masonry was a rolling government. You have a lodge, then a lot of those brothers would construct. You had the, the library, the schoolhouse, the courthouse, mm-hmm. the firehouse, and then, all right, we're just going to chill over here. It's rolling government. I mean, Masonry had such a big part in in going west. You still researching? No, it's I. <laughs> I didn't want to say it without me checking, mm-hmm. but because I, I was like ninety nine percent sure it was him. You gotta make mistakes, bro. This, this. No, because I I don't want to get that one wrong because I was ninety nine percent sure that it was him because he's famous enough. Mm-hmm. Who was it? It was a Mason that said that. That said what? If, Ain't no fun if, you, if the homies can't. If get you them. don't have any, if if you have no enemies. Mm-hmm. If you have enemies, mm-hmm. then that means you stood for something or right. you stood for something right in your life. And that was said by Winston Churchill. Oh, there you go. He was he was also an amazing guy. You just like him because he was a big cigar smoker. I mean, <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I was watching a movie with him and, oh, man, what movie was it? It was, it was based on it. It might have been Churchill. And, you know, he was... He had to make a big decision, and forgive me again. I, I don't mean to spread falsities, but I do remember the scene. And you know, they were trying to get in touch with him. All right, we need to know what are we gonna do? And he jumped on the the train, and he was oh, asking was the darkest hour. Yes, and he was asking the public, and to be able to bet on yourself, and you have all these people who who are around you, and that you know, a lot of times they're pushing their narrative, but to get out there. And put yourself on the front line and have that organic human encounter with other people to be vulnerable. Yeah, to be That's willing leadership. to willing to hear the hard things. Right. To be willing to hear the hard. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean. Open to when, critique. Oh, God. When you're in a lodge and you're a master, if you're giving degree work and you can't take the criticism, you're in the wrong place. And it's it's criticism coming from a place of of love yes. in a lodge. Yes. That's and that's what people people have a hard time getting used to that. If you if you can put yourself in the mindset that I know every brother when they come to me, even if it may come off a little sharp edged mm-hmm. or a little like abrasive when they say it, if you can always have in the back of your mind that their intention is with love mm-hmm. then you'll be you'll be able to grow as a person and don't think the worst first right because too many people think the worst all the time like that's that's their default is they automatically assume someone's got an agenda someone's got some sort of nefarious uh you know intentions or they're just being mean. And that comes from how they move. 
And one of the things, our, our last, our most recent past master, Chana, mm-hmm. love him, love him to death. He is so good at taking criticism. Maybe not in the moment, but when you listen to him speak and he's like, yeah, you know, he's supposed to tell me that. We're supposed to disagree because that means he is invested in me enough that he wants me to be a better version. And at, on the most basic level, right. on the most basic level, you should take criticism. You should take, well, criticism, you should take, you should be happy and that that person right. was actually listening to you and paying attention to you. Because if they're able to formulate an opinion to give you criticism, that means that they had enough respect for you to actually be listening to what you were doing or paying attention to what you were doing. And that should make you proud and also motivate you to say, wow, I have this person's attention. I have this person's attention. I'm worthy. Of- I'm worthy of them, of them actually right. being invested in what I'm saying, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And they feel comfortable enough to come to me and know that I'll listen to them because it's a two-way street. If they're going to expect me to listen to them and hear their thoughts on it, that's how me and you are, I think we work really well together, Mm -hmm. is that I know that what I say to you, you're going to hear me out, even if we don't agree. You're going to hear me. You're going to process it too because hearing somebody – and not being so set into your into your position that you can't be even shifted a tiny bit and processing it and then feeding it back to me that's something that's rare in the world unless you have a very 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 close friend but in masonry it's crazy because there are brothers that I am friends with I'm friends with every brother in my lodge but there are brothers that Maybe I I wouldn't call close, close friends. Right. And I only see them on meeting nights or I only see them at lodge or maybe I see them at a couple of events. But there's still that open, that open street where we can say to each other something and I know he's going to take it and he's going to process it and he's going to use it in his thought process as well as him, what he says to me. Well, I mean, the... The other thing, too, and this is one of the things I love. I've always been, and we speak about this, um, one of the younger gentlemen in the room. And in the workplace or out in public, you find people who are already established. They see something in you that resonates with them. And they're trying to create a protege. Mm-hmm. In masonry, it's the complete opposite. You see a little bit in your, like, oh, man, you know what? I, I see something similar to me and him or vice versa. And I'm going to capitalize on his strength. I'm not going to try to make another version of me. I'm going to try to capitalize on his strength and highlight that. So you're creating ultimately another individual. So it's not like, oh, you remind me of so-and-so. No, you're your own unique person. And then you walk into the world and nobody's ever met another version of yourself because people are watering that tree. They're not saying, oh, you know, I don't like the way he's growing. Let me bring it back over here because this is not right. That's not right. No, they're really character building and building you as an individual. Yeah. 
and <clears throat> masonry is big on the let's take the journey together it's 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 big yeah. on it's big yeah. on the we're going to take this walk together and not not just it's about me yeah you never alone and there's still individualism there's plenty of that you know because again that the conspiracy theorists will say oh you know see their cult it's, it's everything together like get the white sneakers wear the white the white nikes and you know let's drink the kool-aid and no it's about individual growth together well also though think about it a lot of organizations that thrive with a lot of membership those members come to that system in their weakest mind state at that point they're needing to be healed masonry is almost the opposite where i'm coming to you in a headstrong and i'm i'm ready to go like let's go let's do this let's charge the mountain you know i've heard what what we're about and i've seen the prestigious members that this fraternity has and what can i do for you not what you could do for me don't heal me but how can i be of service in that you know aspect yeah masonry has a tendency of saying to people whatever whatever higher power you believe in know that the brotherhood of man is here now mm -hmm. and you're able to do what you can for man now and if you're not doing that then you're not contributing to the world and if you're not contributing to the world you're not leaving it for future Masons, for your children, for society, any better. And that's a wasted life. So, peeling back layers. Masonry is very metaphoric. Would you agree? In essence? I, I mean, I don't think it gets any... Everything in Masonry is a metaphor. So It's a symbol and it's a metaphor for something. Right. So, when you're seeking more light and masonry does that mean masonry guides you brighter in life your your masonic the more light is actually the ruling guide as far as working tools metaphors teachings as you go up in degrees and third degree is the highest you can go for clarity um does that mean masonry just becomes more of your life? It, when you, that's a that's that's not that's a deep and tough question. When when you become a mason, you should be trying to apply the lessons that you learn daily right because we call them tools right there's there's a lot of symbols in masonry but there are, there is a set amount of working tools so what are tools used for to complete a job to complete a job 
And what job? And also to make that job easier. Very good. What what do you think the job in masonry is? Because this this could be kind of like looked at a few different ways. I'm, I'm, what do I'm, you personally think? You're taking me to the deep side of the Okay, what right do now. you think that the job mm-hmm. that you are set to as a builder, mm-hmm. Mason, is in Masonry? Well, for to, you personally. To, for me. Because it's a person it's a personal thing. It's right. not a Group. it's there isn't an answer. There isn't a answer that Masonry gives you specifically that can't be interpreted individually. So, in my humble opinion, and this is what I believe at this point in my life, tomorrow may, it may be different. That's the beautiful thing about Masonry. The tools that Masonry gives you to build is to build yourself. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's, a, it's your self-journey. You're building yourself to the, the best version of yourself. And those are what those tools are in, in its simplest form, in my opinion. And I think this is where you're going with it. If I'm wrong, stop me now. Just go. Uh, I can I can pivot. <laughs> Don't yeah. just keep going. Just spit it out. What you want um, me to spit out, bro? Yeah, no. To just build, and it's tough because again, this is going to be played for people who aren't Mason. So you really can't give the answer. So I'm trying to water down the answer in a way, um, without giving examples and stuff like that. But the, if you it, when when we talk on here, and I get it, it's it's difficult. And I only slightly learned this. This was just again a learned skill, which a lot of everything in masonry you learn, things you learn in masonry you can use through life. Mm-hmm. Is if you can find it in a book that can be bought on Amazon or per- purchased in a library, right? That's not something secret, bro. You yeah, you but... can talk about it, and I get it. We don't want to. We don't want to spoil anything for anybody but for me the experience and i've always said this when i was master the initiatic experience right is what moves people it's not just reading words on a page you know your your religion of choice your spiritual book of your choice could do that for you. There, there are people that become spiritual and find their God in their own way by reading scripture. But what's most religions of the world, how do they really move people? Right? I mean, you, you're building your relationship with yourself better. And that's right, where, but what I'm saying is how take Catholicism, mm-hmm. Judaism, Buddhism, the main, you know, Islam, right. you know, any religion, people could read words on a page, but what, how, what is the moment that really can grab them and motivate them? And, and the easy one could be the televangelists, mm-hmm. right? The people in the Baptist churches, oh, well, jumping around. Right? And- what is that though? That's that's a that's a ritualistic experience. You could read 
the Bible, mm -hmm. the Torah, the Quran, and so on and so on and so on. And it could be motivational to you. And there are people in the world that can read that and it moves them. Yeah, it grabs them. But for most people in the world, going to church on Sunday, going to temple, going to, um, you know, the... Um, I forget. Oh, geez. Well, how, do, how does Islamic, that relate to Mason? Islamic temple? The, and, right. and, you know, going to the actual service mm -hmm. and you have a person giving a sermon or a, 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 a talk mm -hmm. and the Catholicism loves there. Well, you know, before, that, that and people like they give someone gives a good sermon. They're like, I'm going to live my life this way. I'm going to like and they get, and they read something from the Bible. I'm just going to use the Bible. because I'm right. Christian. So, you know. They read something and you're like, oh man, like I did that last week. Oh man, I should have, I should have, and it, it, that moves them. That's a that's a, a ritualistic thing, right? Well, like, as, oh, as your co-host, because we're getting deep into the woods right now. So then, why so don't we what, do what, this? Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, just, just just to clear it up, you're referencing religion, mm -hmm. and we do such a good job to establish that masonry isn't a religion. Mm -hmm. We're speaking about moral law. And ritualistic, um, rit ritualistic things, and when again, ritual ritualistic ceremony, right? Ceremony, so so right. like ceremonial things, and I guess we should probably pick this up mm -hmm. on the next episode. Yeah, this is gonna get heavy. <laughs> so, um, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you guys always. The support is is big, um, and again. Don't you know? Leave feedback. We yes. love the feedback. Like, follow, subscribe, and may your cornerstone always always be level, square, and true. And may the your journey through Freemasonry in life be aged in the barrel of life. Oof! I'm not even gonna try to top that. Square your actions. <laughs> <laughs>